Okay, guys, I want to talk about five things about the rapture. And in discussing those five things, we should be able to understand more clearly exactly what is the rapture and the purpose of the rapture. Okay, so one of the first things that we want to say about the rapture is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 30, 41. And it says, as Jesus is speaking concerning events of the last days, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So one of the first things that we find out concerning the rapture or the catching up of the saints is that it is a secretive time. It is a time that only God the Father knows himself. Now, I would love to get into a lot of details exactly why that is, but the whole purpose and point of the rapture is it is supposed to be a secret coming. And Jesus has once said before, remember when he said, all things that the Father showed me, I told you. So therefore, this was hidden from him in that he would have no knowledge of the rapture because of course he says what? He reveals those things to his disciples. So, but the point that we're making is that the rapture is a secretive event that not even the Lord Jesus knows himself. But let's continue. For the coming of the Son of Man, and that's what he's speaking of, the rapture, the coming of the Son of Man, will be just like the days of Noah for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. Now what he's simply saying is this, as he describes events before that great judgment in Noah, because the rapture will be a form of judgment. And the, re and the reason why I say that is because God's people, that is the church, the church will be taken from the earth right before the time of the tribulation, which would be the worst event in human history. It is God's judgment upon mankind. But anyway, but the point that he's stressing here is when he said they'll be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving into marriage. That means things will be going on as normal. When the rapture does come, there will be nothing to precede the rapture, to come before the rapture, to kind of give you some, to give you an alert that the rapture is about to come. What he's saying is people will be continuing in their everyday life activities, eating, drinking, marrying, giving into marriage, and what the rapture comes to catch them by surprise. So it is a secretive event that catches people by surprise. That includes everyone, not even the members of Christ. We the church do not know when the rapture will be. And for that reason, it is useless to try to set a date or try to guess a date or a time or a month or even a year. Why? He just said, no man knows the hour. And then notice the results of that rapture as we're still in Matthew 24. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two men, will, two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and one will be left. And that is the, simply the picture of what? F one being, that means some being caught up. 
And that's all that is. So what we learn from this first passage in Matthew 24 is what? The rapture is a secretive event. And it is a secretive event unknown by even Jesus himself. And what is it? What, what, when it happens, what will be going on? Worldly activities as usual. There will be nothing special revelatory taking place before the rapture can come. Okay. And when it does come, it takes some away and leave others. So that is our first insight of the rapture. So the next point that we want to talk about the rapture, and that's basically what it is. Okay. Exactly what it is. And that's found in first Thessalonians when the apostle Paul is trying to give comfort to the church of Thessalonica, to the Thessal to the Christians there. He's trying to comfort them because some have died before the coming of Jesus Christ. And when they're thinking of the coming of Jesus Christ, they're thinking of the return of Jesus Christ. So they're believing that these Christians who had died, they're going to miss out. And so Paul gave them a revelation from Jesus himself to comfort them and to give them further understanding of such events. Okay. And that takes us to first Thessalonians chapter four, and let's just get directly to it. Uh, at verse number 15, for this, we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. So notice what he said, we who are alive. So because he's speaking to those Christians who were kind of grieving because other Christians had died. So we who are, don't be saddened, you who are still alive because some have died at the coming of the Lord. Why? Because we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And again, fallen asleep is just a euphemism for death. And what he means by proceed, it simply means to go before. Now, what do you mean when you say go before? And here's when you read the remainder of the text and he explains what he means and what the event will, ent will entail. Verse 16, for the Lord, that is Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so that's where our joy comes. And that's when he's trying to comfort those Christians of Thessalonica. Why? Because don't worry about Christians who have died because the dead will rise first when the Lord comes. You got it? When the angel sounds the trumpet and Jesus himself descends into the clouds, that is in the atmospheric heaven. He does not come to the earth but in the clouds and the angel sounds the trumpet and that trumpet is for the church. Notice the dead in Christ. Now I'll speak of that a little bit later, the dead in Christ. And that speaks for them to rise up. So they actually go through a transformation process and are caught up before Christians who are alive. And that's the comfort that Paul is trying to tell them. And that's the mystery that Paul is revealing to them now and that the dead actually go before the living. Okay. We'll come back to that part about in Christ. Then we, verse number 17, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice, meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So now here's the point. I want to bring it together. This is a notice, a resurrection of the dead, but it is not all the righteous dead. It is only the dead in Christ. And I found out that this is often confusing to many Christians. They think all saved people rise in the rapture. All the dead saved people rise in the rapture. No, 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 no. The rapture of the church, now listen closely, is for a peculiar group of people alone. That is Christians alone, those who are in Christ. Now let me identify what the Bible is saying and what Paul is teaching. Say for instance, for example, do you remember? Say for instance, Adam, okay? From Adam all the way up to Jesus, that's all the way to Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. From Adam to Jesus' resurrection, you got it? All saints, that is all godly people who died during this time are considered to be Old Testament saints. For example, Adam or even Abraham or King David. Or what about the prophets like Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Isaiah? These are all Old Testament saints. They are not the dead in Messiah Jesus Christ. The reference here, the dead in Christ, simply means from the moment of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, you got it, all the way up until this particular period of when Jesus comes back on the cloud. So that group of people from the time that Jesus rose from the dead until the time that he returns in the clouds here at this verse, in this event of the rapture that we're talking about, only those people, those who died during that age, that's why we call it the church age, the church age, only those will rise and be caught up. Those who are dead rise and be caught up. But the Old Testament saints will remain there. And, and, and here's the thing that you got to see, because the language is almost confusing. You have to dig through the meaning. The Old Testament saints, that is the bodies of the Old Testament saints, okay? The bodies of the Old Testament saints are still in the ground. But the bodies of Christians, the bodies of the church saints, those people who believed in Jesus as Messiah from the moment of his resurrection from the dead until his appearance in the clouds here, those who died during that era, or again, what? The church era, their bodies, their physical bodies, and, and that's the next point. And that's what we need to understand about the rapture. The rapture entails a resurrection. It entails a resurrection, but it entails both a resurrection and a glorification. Now I'll talk about that part in the next section. All right. In the third point that we want to talk about the rapture, but we're still on point number two. And that is it involves Jesus is coming in the air and the resurrection of the bodies of the dead saints. Cause you got to remember the spirits of the dead saints are already with Jesus in heaven. So the rapture provides a bodily resurrection. Okay. A bodily resurrection of those who are dead, 
that is, that's why he said the dead in Christ. And then notice he said, then we who are alive and remain, that means the rest of the saints living at that time. So it also involves a transformation. So the point is the rapture is a resurrection slash transformation. That is, if the saints, if the saint has already died, the body will be resurrected. The spirit of that saint will be placed into that resurrected body. You got it? That's number one, the dead in Christ. But the number second part of this is we who are alive, and that's when we ourselves, we are not resurrected, but we will be transformed at that particular time. You got it? So the rapture provide number one the first point we said was what it was secretive the second point we say is what that it is a time when we have the resurrection and the transformation of the body okay now let's speak a little bit more about that resurrection slash transformation which also tells us about the purpose of the rapture and that's found in first corinthians and chapter 15. now guys to be honest with you Paul devoted an entire chapter to this particular concept. And of course, we, I don't want this teaching is, is, is truncated. It's not designed to go through all of that, but we're simply bringing you the broad points concerning the purpose of the rapture. Okay, so that brings us to point number three, as Paul is teaching the Corinthian church, about the resurrection of the dead. And the fact, and the point that he's bringing out is the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, and this actually deals with the transformation uh, that we get at the rapture, at the rapture. The rapture will bring a resurrection of the Christians. And Paul only talking about the Christian here. He, he's not talking about unsaved people, only the dead in Christ here as a whole, all right? But let's just go on to, I think we're gonna, let's try verse number, let's try verse number 35, guys, so that we can, we don't have to spend so much time on it. But someone will say, how are, in 1 Corinthians 15, 35, how are the dead raised? See that, that's what, it, the dead raised. And with what kind of body do they come? Now that's his point, that's his point. The rapture, provides resurrection and it provides a new body. And that's the third point that I want to bring to you guys. Another purpose of the rapture is to provide th that body that we have. In other words, you remember I talked about in, in the point just previous about the dead in Christ and then we being transformed. That's the point. The body that we now have, we will no longer have. Or in other words, the body that the dead laid into the ground, that is not the body that will be resurrected. That's not the body that's going to be changed. It will be a new body, or we understand it as a glorified body. And this is what Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 15. But let me continue with the text, and you will see it for yourself. Verse 36, you fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So one of the principles that he teaches is in the resurrection, there is no resurrection until there is first death. But now that's not all that is to it. That's, it's much more to it than that. He's just dealing with it from one point at a time. But, the, but what he's saying is this, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. That is, listen, 
to sow this body into death, into death, in the ground or wherever this body going to end up when it's dead, that's me sowing. But that's not what will be reaped. That's not what's going to come forth. What's going to come forth is not the same that was planted in the ground. You'll see that. Notice that which you sow. See, that's the principle, sowing and reaping. Which you sow does not come to life, resurrection from the dead, unless it dies. That's the first principle thought. And verse number 37, and that which you sow. Now, let's talk about this body that was sown in death. That which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be. See, notice, the body that we will have is not the same body that we have now. What? But bear but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. What he's simply saying is this. It, the body that we're sowing now that's going to die is like a seed into the ground. It's a seed. Notice when you put a seed in the ground and that which comes up from the ground does not look like the seed that was sown into the ground. And that's what Paul is saying. But he's not so much as talking about the appearance. And I do believe there would be a difference in our appearance. How much? I don't know. But Paul, what Paul is talking about is he's talking about in the form of glory. And that's, and that's why you got to read all of this text and all this. But we'll just go on just a little bit more just so you'll see it. Here we go. Verse 38, concerning the body that rises. But God gives it a body just as he wishes. And to each of the seeds a body of his own. But let, let, let me go on so you'll see it. So you'll see it. Because I was going to stop there. But let me go on. All flesh is not the same flesh. There's one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds. And Paul Simpson said, everything is not the same thing. All bodies is not the same kind of bodies. And here's his point that he's trying to make. The context, stay with the context. The body that rises from the dead is not going to be the same as the body that rises from the grave. And that's his whole point. All flesh is not the same. And that's why, and let me just go on and just skip around a little bit. There's all, I'm at verse number 40. There are also heavenly bodies and there are also earthly bodies. And see, now, now he's bringing the point even closer. The body that we have now is what? Earthly body. The body that we will have in the resurrection will be what? A heavenly body. And, and let me skip on so we don't have to go through all of this and just hit the point. So there is also, so also, I'm at verse number 42. Also is the resurrection of the dead. He said, in like manner. The resurrection of the dead, just like it was what? It is sown a perishable body. That's our bodies now. Perishable means what? It gets tired, it gets weak, it gets sick, and ultimately we die. That is perishable body, right? But notice what he said, but in the resurrection or it is raised an imperishable body. So that's what we mean when we say what? The rapture provides us a new body. It is a body of a different kind, of a different nature, a body, or as we said to you guys earlier, a glorified body, a body that never gets sick. It never gets old. It is a physical body that is eternal and made of heavenly things. Like now, our body is terrestrial, made of what? Earthly things. All right. So, but let me just finish the point. This body that we have, verse number 43, it is sown a natural body. That's the one we have now. 
But what? In the resurrection, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. All right, and now, and I was going to just skip it out, guys, but let me go here. Notice this whole point that he's talking about is what? That death must precede. Death, we got to, this body first has to die, and then we rise from the dead in the rapture. In the what? In the rapture. And that's when we get what? That new glorified body, the body that doesn't get old, that doesn't perish, a body that is of glory, of heavenly things. Okay? But notice now, remember he also said this, first what happens in the rapture? The dead. Then he says, but we who are alive. That means, and remember I told you that this part was about what? The transformation of those who are living. Notice there's a resurrection of the dead, new bodies given to those who have died. And those who are alive, living in their bodies, say for instance right now, if the rapture should come right now, boom, all of a sudden all of the Christian saints who are alive, our bodies will go through a transformation. Why? Because we will not die. And that's what Paul talks about as, as he continues in the revelation of 1 Corinthians 15. That's why I said it was a long part, guys. Look, notice what he said. Let's just go on down to verse number 51 so you can see the point. Behold, I tell you a mystery means something that was previously not known. We will not all sleep. Remember, sleep was a euphemism for what? Death. So we will not, that is all the saints at the coming of Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 says what? We will not all be dead. Some will be dead and some will be alive. So what does he say? We will not all be sleep, but guess what? Whether we are dead or and have to be resurrected or whether we are alive and we go through a transformation in our physical bodies and we just go all of a sudden our bodies change and God gives us instantaneously that new glorified body so we don't have to go through the process of death. That's what it means. We will not all die and go through that resurrection process, but guess what? We, all of the saints, whether dead or alive, we will all be changed. Now do you see what he meant by that? We will all receive this glorified body, even whether we are dead or whether we are alive. At the moment of Jesus' return in the clouds, he gives the church, the church only, not Old Testament saints, he gives the church brand new bodies, glorified bodies that never die. And that's why he said, notice, and that's what that part means when he says in verse number 52, this change comes upon the dead and the living. How fast? Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Can you imagine that? It happens just that fast. That's why you cannot get ready for the rapture. It will happen so fast. He comes and he's gone. You will either be ready or you won't be. And you'll be left to go through the tribulation. But anyway, back to my point. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet of God, for the trumpet will sound, and what happens? The dead will be raised imperishable. That means with that brand new body. And what? What about the rest of the folk? Living, and we, the living people, will be transformed, changed. That's what, and so, but anyway, so that's the third point. So the rapture comes to provide what? Number one, it is a secretive thing. 
right? Number two, it is when Jesus comes in the cloud and the dead rise and the living are changed. Number three, 1 Corinthians 15 says, it is this event in which God gives the church only, church only, not Old Testament saints yet. The, and just in case you're wondering, the Old Testament saints are resurrected at the second advent of Jesus, but that's not this teaching. But the third point that we're talking about, the rapture does what? It provides that glorified body for the church only, okay? Now let's go to the fourth point of the rapture, and that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, all right? But I don't want to, since it's already gone too long, let me just bring it to a close. As in Paul's teaching concern, and, and, and it's a beautiful concept, guys. You should just read it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he is also talking about appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. So once the rapture does take place, the church itself, and that greater teaching is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, when God judges us, and okay, let me slow it down so you won't get confused because you may be thinking, because you haven't watched the previous video, but you may be thinking that God is judging us with respect to sin. Nowhere, God never ever judges those who believe in Jesus, true faith in Jesus for sin. Why? Because when Jesus went to the cross, he took all of our sins and he paid for that, nailing all of those to the cross. Therefore, we can stand before God as justified, or the concept, excuse me, the concept would simply be righteous, okay? So this never do saints or Christians stand at the judgment seat of Jesus and answer for sin. We answer for the works that we have done. We answer for whether those works were done with that it was done for Jesus, done with the right heart, done with the right spirit, or whether you did what the Lord told you to do, period. But hope, oh, but that's not what this teaching is about. This is just simply telling you a third function in the rapture and us being caught up and we going back to heaven. So that's what happened. We were raptured, John 14. We are caught up back to heaven. Jesus wanted us to be with him. That's what's happening in John 14, one through three. Okay, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but also be believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Why? So that where I am, you may also be. You got it? Takes us back to heaven. But at that time also, there's another purpose in catching us up, giving us those bodies, and taking us to heaven. And it's found, and let's just go directly to it, since I babbled so much, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. One verse. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. And that seat is Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in his in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And that's simply that's not for sin, not for sin, but for your works. That's what it means. For your works, you'll be recompensed for your works. That's when you will be rewarded 
by Jesus Christ by, on, the, on the basis of your faithfulness. Remember, he said, I gave one five, I gave one ten, and all of this stuff. And he said, now you occupy, because when I come back, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold you to account. You have to give an answer for, were you faithful? Were you busy about my business? What did you do for me? And that's what's going on here. This is not about sin. This is about our faithfulness in our works. And never forget, saints. That's why you always must pray and ask God to help you with your mind and your heart. Because sometimes we do stuff, we showboating, we acting a fool, and we're doing stuff so people can see us and talk about us. We say we're doing it in Jesus' name, but the truth of the matter is we're doing it so that we can get praise in Jesus' name. Don't ever do that all glory to Christ. What did the Bible say? Let no flesh be magnified or glorified in God's presence concerning Jesus because he is the only somebody who lived the sinful life. He is the only somebody who went to that cross. He is the only somebody who rose from the dead or as the scripture teaches, he is the only somebody who is worthy of all the honor, the praise, the glory, the might, and the majesty. Not you and not me. So therefore we have to be very careful. We ask the Lord all the time, purify the works of my hand, purify my heart so that what I am doing, it is really for you, Jesus, and it's not for the glory of me. All right. And that's what happens right here. When we as Christians, God's people stand at the judgment seat, we will be judged by what we did and the purposes for God will judge the intent of our heart in that same process. So the rapture changes us and it takes us to heaven for this purpose as well. Then that was number four. Now let's get to the fifth one. Finally, one of the purposes of our being raptured and taken into heaven is to be married to Jesus. Remember, the church is the bride of Christ. My question is, have you ever considered or wondered, well, if we're the bride of Christ, when do we get married? All right, so that brings us to Revelation 19, and let's just go directly to it as we look at the celebration in heaven. Revelation 19 and seven, and it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb. Notice the marriage of the lamb, who is the lamb? Jesus, so Jesus is getting married. The marriage of the lamb has come and his bride, who is the bride? Scripture always taught that the bride of Jesus, the Messiah, is the church. That's not the same as the Old Testament saints. Remember, remember, the bride of Jesus is the church. So the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now eight, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So what is the fifth purpose of the rapture? It allows that after we have entered, gone through the period of judgment, being at the judgment seat of Christ, what? The church now is being married to Jesus. God the Father performs a sacred marriage or wedding service and that is when he unites his son, Jesus, with his wife, us, the church. And that would be a magnificent day. So let's rehearse it again. So we see that we have five things that we can learn about the rapture, right? Number one, what? 
the rapture is a secretive event, Matthew 24. Number two, what? That the rapture comes for the purpose of resurrection. That is, when you whenever you say resurrection, that means to provide a new body. A new body for who? The dead, the saints who have died, and always only the church in the rapture. The dead in the Messiah, in Christ, and we, the church, who are alive at that time. And number three, what? What kind of body will we have? And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, and that is a glorified body. A glorified body for the dead, a glorified and wonderful body for those who are alive. And then the fourth thing the rapture provides is what? It gives, it gives us the point in time when we, the saints, the saints only, have to answer for our works the things that we did for Jesus when we were alive on this earth. Remember again the parable. I gave them five, I gave them ten, and I said, now you occupy till I come. Why? Because you will one day have to give an account. This is not again about the giving account for sin, but it's about our faithfulness with the gifts and the things that Jesus has given us, as well as what that final point, and here's where we always want to drive this point home, Always, Lord, do it with the right mind. Do it with the right heart and the right spirit, making certain that you're doing it for the glory of Jesus and not yourself. Because if you do so, he will burn those works up. They're going to end up being wood, hay, and stubble. And what did he say happens to wood, hay, and stubble when it's tried by the fire? <laughs> All right. All right. And then finally, the fifth point concerning the rapture, what? It is a time when the father will marry us to his son. Did you know all of that about the rapture? <laughs>